Welcome to Design and Style, a podcast dedicated to helping you attract new leads, own your influence, and develop your inner visibility warrior through our proven tools, techniques, and mindset strategies. I am Dixie Willard, interior designer and owner of Designing Dixie, a brand journalism media outlet. And with me, as always, is my beautiful effervescent co-host, Rachel Moriarty, a leading home style expert, best-selling author, speaker, brand ambassador, and product designer for Elegant Mosaics. Today on the podcast, we have Bobby McGrath. Bobby's understanding of how to discuss hot button items in a positive and empowering way has allowed her to thrive in the home staging world. Launching successful staging in 2004, Bobby has consulted and staged over 6,000 homes. She has co-authored two best-selling books, Marketing for the Staging and Design Industry, and Home Staging, The Power That Sells Real Estate. Bobby truly believes that an educated client, whether a home seller or realtor, is the key to a successful home staging experience. Her understanding of how the words you choose can instill client confidence has been a cornerstone of her training for home stagers. You will find her teaching online courses, speaking to home staging groups, mentoring and coaching fellow stagers, being interviewed on international podcasts and webinars, and always looking for ways to help stagers realize their individual strengths. Whether discussing marketing strategies or discussing the often touchy subjects we need to address, her goal is to position you as the go-to expert in your market. Bobby, we are so happy to have you with us today. Why well, don't thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm with the dynamic duo. It's very exciting. We do the, sh- the shoulder shimmy if you're watching on, on iTunes. I mean, on uh, YouTube. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Watching on iTunes. There's something I don't know about iTunes. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Um, We love you because you have such a unique business model. You focus on the occupied side, which is my favorite. I love occupied staging. I love that. I love that you love that. I do. I honestly do. Because people ask me when I meet um, community people, they always ask me if I do vacant. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I never have actually wanted to. I love the occupied side. So tell us a little bit about your business model and what you're doing. Okay. Well, um, I'm going to step back just a little bit because sometimes to know why you are where you are, you need to kind of know what's going on. Let's do it. Okay. So 14 years ago, when I started my company here in Raleigh, North Carolina, um, there really wasn't a lot of staging going on. Um, and so I had, uh, I'd had a horrible experience with a stager in Florida. They didn't call her a sta- stager, but she was horrible. And so, uh, but the seed of smart marketing had been planted. And so anyway, we came up here and um, when I started my company, I decided I didn't want to be that woman. It made me cry. At the end of the consultation, I was crying. So I was like, I don't want to be a Nancy. Her name was Nancy. And so um, I started my company. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. Nope. But Hashtag so um, I started my company. Yes, there you go. <laughs> there you go. You know what? When I speak to groups, to staging groups, I'll go, is anybody here named Nancy? You know, and everyone's like, they'll raise a hand and I'll look and I'll go, it's not her, so be nice to her. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, so um, what I did was I, I looked, and for the first year, I was what I call a gypsy stager. Um, I just, I just poof, I woke up, and I was a stager. And I brought my, my background. Um, I'd been involved in fashion. I'd been involved in theater. I'd been involved in settlement negotiations. I'd been involved in the mar- uh, mortgage world. So there were a lot of things that I kind of brought to the table. And um, I was very visual. I, was, I understood how important the visual 
goals were. But, um, for that first year, I just kind of kept trying things and changing. And then um, at, the, uh, at the end of that year, I thought, you know, I should do something. I want to bring something extra to my clients. And so um, I started looking into training. At the time, there were only two companies that I saw. And I was looking at them and, holy stinking cow, when I saw how much they were charging, about choked, you know? And so um, I said something to my husband about it. And he goes, honey, if you don't, if you don't believe in yourself enough to invest in yourself, why should your clients? Mm. He did sleep on the sofa that night, but... <laughs> Not really, but, but he was right. And so um, I did invest in myself and it was interesting because um, it was the business end that I really needed knowledge on. So that helped me. But over time, what happened, um, you know, it was just me, myself and I. And then, of course, I would drag my family in to help me um, mm -hmm. on different drag stages. your own sofa out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My husband would come home and go, honey, where's our sofa? And I'd say, it is out making us some money. <laughs> So over time, you know, I got real and I took over the garage and then I got storage units and then I ended up in two warehouses. Wow. So, um, but the whole time I was doing both the vacant and the occupied side. And so um, the vacant side is fun. I mean, I always figured I would make up stories about the people in the house. Ooh, yes. And I'd say, okay, well, this house is in Chapel Hill and it's near the university and it has this great open loft. So okay, it's a professor who teaches history, so we're gonna use a lot of history books in the built-in bookshelves, and that loft is perfect for an artist, a writer or a painter, a maker or a painter. And so then that, and then I'd have the teacher or the professor like at 65 and the wife was 38. And I had the, I had the whole story. I had that upstairs was, um, it was a strange layout. The, the master bedroom was upstairs and it was like a loft that had been glassed in. Isn't that weird? Mm -hmm. And then. And there was a bathroom that shared this little tiny bedroom. So the story in my head was the professor and his wife here, their little baby, their little girl, two or three years old in there. And then the other bedroom was all the way downstairs in the walkout basement. So I gave them two boys who were 11 years old and they were sharing a room. It was <laughs> and do you know what? The nosy neighbor came over, turned out, um, that had, had been a professor, but it was the woman who was the professor. Her husband was a writer and they had two kids. No way. And I was like, Gosh. yeah. So anyway, it was all about the story. And I, I love telling the story with the furniture and everything. But as time went, um, went on, I mean, vacants take a lot of brain space, you know, it, and it's constantly working. So when I made the decision, I was going to buy some property, build a big warehouse. And um, what I decided to do was actually rent to other stagers in the area. And I mean, I had all this big business plan all in my head that I was really going to go for it. So I went to the property to meet with the builder and to stake out the corners of the building, how it was going to lay on the five acres. We bought the five acres. There was a house on it that I was going to convert into an office. And while we were there, I got bitten by a little teeny tiny tick. Oh no. And I got really sick. And um, so long story, uh, it was Lyme's disease, I but I was fortunate in that I got the antibiotics. Someone brought it up, and so I was tested, and I was able to take the antibiotics before it became systemic, you know, knock on wood. Mm -hmm. And so um, anyway, through that whole thing, while I was so sick, all I could think about was that warehouse. And I got to thinking, why am I doing this? And I just stopped. 
And I remember I went to my husband and I said, I don't want to do this. And he knew I'd been not feeling well. So he says, honey, I'll make it happen. I go, no, no, no. I don't want to do this. I said, you know what? There's some great vacant stagers here. I want my life back. And so for me, I made that active decision to close down my vacant division and I refer the vacants. And then I had always loved the occupied side. Rachel, I get you. I do. I, I love how a lot of times they meet you at the front door and they're like this. Yeah. Like, Come on in. Yeah. You know, and I love by the end of our two hours together, they're like, okay, they've got a list because trust me, I'm a list girl. They got lots to do because I'm there to make them money. But they're like at the door and they're like, okay, well, you know, I'll call you when I'm ready for you to come back. And, and there's a whole different feeling. And I love that because that was me, Mm -hmm. except that she left me crying. Right. 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 And so I love the occupied and I have really done a deep dive into what is it that makes a successful consultation and you can be the best stager in the world and you can understand exactly what needs to happen but until you can compel them to action it's all theory it means nothing so I figure God gave me two very stubborn young men to raise <laughs> so that I would learn the art of uh, negotiation and um, reasoning. We'll call it reasoning. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I study all kinds of different things uh, to, and bring it to the consultation. It's not just the staging. There's a whole bunch of other things that I've studied. Now you've created a, a actual course around this, a whole framework around it, right? I have. Others, are you? You're certifying others, right? Okay, so yes, I'm really excited about it. Um, I call it the Occupied Consultation Specialist Program, and uh, it's a deep dive into the two-hour consultation. And I mean, it's so deep; it's about 18 hours in length. And uh, my first group that um, I was practicing on and working through the whole process with, I think they sat through 26 hours. So they were, I love them. I love them to death. And then the second group, um, I've got it down. uh, And again, because I'm always asking them for immediate feedback. So it's a little additional time. But the course itself is going to be right at 16 hours, 16 to 18 hours once I do the final edit. And the reason it takes so much time is because I want the stager to understand why. I want them to have a confidence. There's, um, I, I have this, too, I, I love to speak on confidence as well because it's like there's three sides to confidence, right? And what educating yourself about is, is so that you feel confident. And um, I actually talk about how inviting pushback when people push back. I love it. It's like, okay, this is where I get to strip myself because I'm not just going to say you have to do this. I'm going to explain to them why. So they can make active decision whether to do it or not to do it. Um, But they're going to know why. And it's not, I don't see it as a, I don't feel challenged. I used to feel challenged like, oh geez, they don't like me. And I'm over that. What I think is I would much rather they respect me than like me. Mm-hmm. And so I look at it this way. Um, um, I'm not cheap. My consultations are not cheap. And when I go in there, I'm thinking, you know what? They are paying for value. 
they're not paying for me to, you know, go around the edges. They want to know in a polished, professional, and uh, positive way, what do they need to know so that they can make informed decisions. So throughout, um, it's 12 different modules. Uh, the very first one is called uh, The Ringing Phone, The Sound of Money. And I talk about how you, you know, that very first contact, how you start controlling what happens over the course of your relationship with these folks, as well as you start setting yourself up as an expert, not somebody with an opinion, but an expert. And so even if you're brand new to the business, if you take the time to educate yourself, you know what, you may not have practical experience yet, but you're going to have education that someone like me who just started poof, I'm a stager, didn't have. So I really look at it that way, that it's, it's that education. So we get in, I discuss Alfred Hitchcock. Um, <laughs> I talk about, oh yeah, I love it. Cause I studied film. So it's like, okay, you know, going to use a little bit of that. Um, I talk about, um, I actually homeschooled my son. And so I've learned a lot about different uh, learning styles. And so we talk about um, a book that I recommend uh, folks read. So that within five minutes of meeting them, you know how to talk to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, are they just the facts? Do they want to be told a story? Are they real passive? I mean, however it is. So all of those things, I try to bring the 14 years to the table so that someone who starts their business tomorrow, once they've gone through this, deciding on whether they're going to do vacants and all that stuff, they can put aside, right? Because that, that's, that's a huge commitment financially, and everything else wise, but they can start a business, a solid business based on consultations if they feel solid with their consultations. So that's what it's about. Exactly. I oh. mean, I mean, not only 14 years, Bobby, but you have done over 6,000 consultations. Yeah. Which just, is just one or two. No big deal. That, yeah. is, that number blows me away every single time. Well, it's been over 14 years. So I got to thinking about that and I, I, I did take some time off. So, <laughs> so there are times where it gets really, it'll get crazy. There are times in the season where I'll have as many as four consultations in a day. And I got to tell you, that's, that's like crazy. Um, three is actually, I think, doable on a consistent basis. Uh, two is a really sol solid business. I mean, I, you know, that's one of the things I talk with my uh, students about too is, you know, what are your financial goals and then breaking it back, step back and say, okay, so how many um, consultations do I need right. in order to make these financial goals? And then I like short-term goals and long-term long -term goals. And when they start breaking it down and looking at the numbers, I think they're surprised. I mean, because I mean, I do also call the, the course uh, talking your way to a six-figure income. Yeah. Because you can. Yeah. You can. And just a couple of consults, three consults or so, and it's mm -hmm. paid for. The course Ex is paid for. Thank you. That's exactly what I did. I figured it would take three to four consultations and poof, you've paid off your class. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. I, I think I need to sign up. I know. That's what I'm <laughs> I would be so honored. I'd be a little intimidated, but I'd be honored. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I mean, I really, so I call myself a decorator who stages, but I, Bobby, honestly, I remember the moment and it was probably around 14 years ago as well. Um, I remember the moment I found out about home staging. I was in the line at the Home Depot 
before we had phones when you would grab the magazines in the thing and I had been a photo stylist and a um, visual merchandiser you know I was in the fashion industry and I was kind of trying to you know cross over into like home interiors and all that I remember picking up and reading this article about this new industry and it was like visual merchandising for a home and I remember them using that in like the first line and I remember getting like goosebumps all over my body like oh my gosh like I could actually you know and so that was the like, the first thing that I did to make you know my move over into transition over into interiors was yeah. then I started kind of digging in and mm -hmm. doing a lot of occupied and mm -hmm. um, I, I still love it it's still and even in because I really do redesign if you think about it, because sure. I like to do, I like to start off with people's existing Absolutely. Stuff. And so even in my interior design process, it's kind of like the same. So mm -hmm. it's, it, I jump off with what people own. Perfect. So that's why I, I just feel like it's so in alignment with what I do. And okay. I've just never um, wanted to do that. What do you call the, the vacant staging? The fancy? Oh something or I call them I call the vacants are glamour girls glamour girls yes yeah I've never yeah. even had like an inkling of doing that because mm -hmm. the occupied is just so I just love it so I love that you're doing an entire course you don't have to have inventory you don't have to have warehousing and moving people and and all that kind of staff and inventory control and it's just such a different business model you could totally I'm so excited about it. I've been, I've no, I've been knowing that you have this little course going on, not little, but you know what I mean? Right. And I'm so excited to talk to you about it. Well, I'm, I'm excited too, because it's, it's one of those things when I gave up my uh, vacant staging, to be honest, I was feeling a little raw. I was feeling a little exposed. I was thinking, I'm a failure. I'm a failure. I just, I just mentally couldn't do it. I'm, I'm a failure. And that was the first year I went to the RISA convention. And so I had just shut the doors and everything, December, here it is, January. I'd never gone before. I knew no one. And talk about uh, wanting to be invisible. I wanted to be invisible. I just yeah. wanted to kind of check them out and see if they were legit. And I told myself I was going to sit at a different table each time. And I would go sit down and inevitably they would say, oh, my name's so-and-so and my company's this and this and we do this and our vacants are blah, blah, blah. And they would go all around. So it gets around to me. And I'm like, hi, I'm Bobby <laughs> McGrath. <laughs> you know, um, my company's successful staging and, um, you know, I do occupied staging and I... <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, what? And I said, and well, after 10 years, I just closed down my vacant division. And I was shocked by the response. What was it? Really? Oh my God, we dream do about that? doing that. Tell <laughs> us how you're doing it. And I was like, really? I was like, oh my gosh. And then what I realized was the industry is such that, well, what has happened is at first I needed to do all of it because there just weren't that many of us out there. Yeah. And yeah. so to be validated or whatever, I needed yeah. to do both. But the industry has grown so much. And this is part of like why I love being with you guys today. It's because our industry has grown so much. We are now able to specialize. Mm -hmm. 
And that is the sign of a healthy industry. When instead of being all things to all people, you can do that specialization. So I encourage people, if I've had people say, occupied, I don't want to do them. I don't want to touch their stuff, which makes me laugh. Um, you know, but that's, that, that's funny. yeah, but there's that kind of thing. Um, and I'm thinking then great, embrace your vacants and just do your vacants. Yeah. And then I have occupied people like me and it's like, for whatever reason, we just don't want to go down that road. So, but don't get me wrong, stagers here in the area, if they need help, call me. I still love to do the bacon. So I'll be a good, <laughs> I'll be a good helper. But, yes. um, yeah. Bobby, I have a question. How did, how did, um, how does staging fare through like the economic downturn? Cause you were definitely in it in that 2007, eight period. You know what? I was amazed because I've heard it all through 14 years. Okay. It's a buyer's market. Nobody's going to hire you because yeah. the house is going to be on the market forever. And um, so, no, nobody's going to hire you. Seller's market is so hot. Nobody's going to hire you because they're going to sell anyway. I mean, whatever it was, my business grew. In fact, my business grew by leaps and bounds. And it was one of the reasons I was confident, more confident, or that kind of gave me that push to give up the vacant side mm -hmm. because when there was a downturn, my overhead stayed the same Yeah, for the vacants yeah. Yeah. with my occupied realtors were looking for any way to be more visible and more valuable to the people out there because a lot of people around here just started putting their house on the market themselves because they had no hope. Yeah. And so a realtor was really having to figure out what's my value. Why would they sign with me? What can I do? And the realtors didn't want to take a huge cut in their commission. Right. And because they're raising their families. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so those realtors, what they would do is that's when my consultation business really, the roots became deeper because more realtors like, realized <laughs> what's that? No, I'm so excited. Okay. <laughs> because the realtors, what they realized was, you know what? I didn't bring, I'm not bringing a vacant stager in because nobody has the money for that. Mm -hmm. But I can bring an occupied person in to do this very comprehensive consultation that actually gets my clients to do things and that pulls them out of their doldrums. Mm -hmm. And you know what? This was the key too. In fact, I still have realtors who follow this model. The homeowners have no idea what my fee is. And what was interesting, they thought my value was even higher than what I was charging. Okay. So the realtor looked like they were investing all of this money when it wasn't, it wasn't cheap, but the implied value, the value that the clients got from it, it was interesting because, you know, I get friendly with folks. I go do the consultation. That's how my business is built consultation. That's the solid foundation. If I don't go back, I mean, I'd love to go back for everybody, but that's okay. That's my solid foundation. It's like a pyramid, right? Solid foundation across. So I look at any additional services I do as gravy. And so I mentioned to them, I don't call it occupied staging. I call it a photo prep mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. occupied staging sounds like cha-ching, cha-ching. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Photo prep sounds like I want that, right? Yeah. And so as I would be talking to them, come back for the photo prep and things, and, you know, I'd 
get acquainted in things. And I might say, you know, so-and-so realtor, you know, paid for my initial consultation. I want you to know not all realtors do that because I'm always building up my realtor, right? I want to keep them visible in front of their clients. And so as I'm doing, and I said, um, you know, and then I'd ask some of them, not all of them. I'd ask some of them. So what do you think my consultation fee is? And when they would tell me, I think I'd love to charge that. (laughs) So um, it encouraged me on on two levels. Number one, I raised my prices again. And also what I realized was look at the implied value. Look at the the value. You know, perception is reality. Okay. So I may not be the cheapest stager around, but you know what? They have the perception. They have the understanding. Their reality is I'm worth every penny. So that's one of those things is, as I've been moving forward, and that's one of the things I try, uh, that I train towards is that the more confident and competent you are in what you do, people, people will pay you what you're worth. They will. And that whole, um, so during the 2007, 2008 downturn, I was like thinking, okay, get ready. I mean, it was just, you know, my, my, my overhead on my vacant. So I was like, oh, thank goodness I had my consultations to pay it, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. And when I started looking at my year-end numbers and I was looking at what did I clear? Because the money in on the vacants, fantastic. But when I looked at the real numbers, mm, and then I looked at work. my consultation side and I looked at the overhead and I looked at the real numbers, I was like, you know, I'm smarter than that for me. Yeah. Yeah. For me, because I know other people have incredible business models that work for them and they have great margins. It just, just wasn't my forte. So I went to my occupies. I love my occupies. I think for a lot of our community members that are, you know, designers, decorators, stylists, Mm -hmm. I think it's a great model though. That's the Mm -hmm. thing. That's why we are so excited to talk to you about this and how successful you've been because we can, you know, I've had clients where they brought me in to stage their home mm-hmm. and then they buy the next one and I'm decorating the next one, but yes. it could work both ways. We, you know what I mean? You could decorate and then they could put it on the market and you could stage it and then you could, it's kind of like this whole, you could do all of it, you know? And mm-hmm. I just love, I love the model. So I'm, I'm really considering. Yeah. Well, I tell you, I'm, like, I'm really considering. Um, I just did a house. In fact, I put it up this morning. I did a historic home. What's that? Uh, no, I'm thinking about your, your, mm-hmm. I love the framework of your, um, your new course. Oh, well, thank you. Um, this morning I, I, uh, you were talking about the whole repeat. I had, um, clients who, um, I met years ago. I staged their house. Um, they were, um, just newlyweds. They were just getting married. So they, they, they sold that house and then, uh, they bought another house, and so um, I'm trying to remember. I think I staged that, or I, I call it stage to live. Yeah. Yeah. So did that, and so um, anyway, then I went in, and they had twins and a little girl, and so they had three kids, and so then they bought another house, and I just staged it. I posted this morning. It's a beautiful historic home, and um, and so because they've got another set of twins coming, <gasps> so it's like through it all, watching their family grow, you know, and getting to spend time with them. I love it. And I have so many clients. I do exactly what you said. And uh, because they liked the freedom that staging gave them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times with design, people feel they have to, should, 
all of these things. And with staging, for me, the way that I stage, it's a lighter hand. And when they realize they can have this peaceful feeling room without a bunch of stuff, but just artfully placed things, they then see the value in it. And so then they're willing to pay me to come in to help them with their new house because they love the feeling they had as they were leaving their old house. Pared down. Yes. Yeah. So you don't, so you do decorate, but you call it like staging to live or staging to dwell, whatever the term is. Yep. Staging to decorating, right? Yeah. It's, 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 well, I don't know. It's not redesigned because I'm not doing it in the same house, but I use what they have. Yeah. And then if, um, what I let them know too is look, uh, with the new house, you may need something smaller, something larger. Yeah. Um, I don't go out and select the items for them okay. just because okay. I don't have time for that yeah. Yeah. Um, in my business model. So I used to do it, but I just don't now. Um, but um, what I would do is I will say to them, this, these are the options you could have for a new sofa in this room. I want you to be thinking. And then we get out a, a measuring tape and I'll measure it out and I'll say no bigger than this, no smaller than this. Keep in mind, you want it this tall, you know, no tall. And we talk about all those things um, down the road. And then I tell them, call me when you want to tune up. Dixie is just, that's what exactly what Dixie loves for specifying furniture for your space plans. You don't Mm -hmm. actually do the actual piece a lot of the time. There you go. Exactly. (laughs) I I prefer, I mean, if they pay me. Yeah. 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 But I prefer to do exactly what you just said. Say, okay, I am liking your model more and more. I know. Oh, thank you, ladies. Honestly, I'm so happy that that's what you like to do because I had a designer one time say to me, well, that's a missed opportunity. And I thought, no, the missed opportunity is I'm going to be out looking for a sofa when I can do a two-hour consultation. Exactly. That's mm-hmm. the missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's always changing the shape of the money, right? Mm-hmm. Because I, I do all of my services, I look at what can I charge for a two-hour consultation, and then I look to see, can I, can I go shopping for two hours and make that kind of money? I mean, sure, if they want to, pay me that, sure. But yeah. generally, people don't want to pay that for shopping, right? So I look at that and think, hmm, well, you know, what can I do? It's, it's all based on that two-hour unit. And then, so that then I can make the active decision. And from time to time, things will get slow. And so then that's, then that, that's when I'll say, okay, well, the selections division is now open. <laughs> you know? I love that you, you take that, that view of it. Cause you know, if you, if you study economics, you know about comparative advantage and it's, mm-hmm. that's exactly what you just described. You look at what you could be doing with your time, right. the most profitable, um, busy way to use your time and how does that compare to everything else and do the one that is going to give you the most money for the least effort yeah and going back to the warehouse and all of that my whole life and this was just this was my own failing because we all get to choose how we go through the world I would get up in the morning, heck, I would wake up two or three times in the night thinking business, 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 business. I would go through the day, business, 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 business. And I would go to the grocery store to get a gallon of milk and I would leave with three crates of, you know, birdhouses and pails and all this stuff and forget the milk, Uh uh, you know, because, oh, there was a great deal. And I just was always, there was like no white space in my head. Mm. And so I just made the active decision and 
to, to give myself that back, to give it to my family. Mm-hmm. I mean, my boys, I, I raised my boys in the business. And so they do mention warehousing and the truck driving and the logistics management. So, I mean, it looks great on the resume, right? <laughs> um, but um, I, I just, I, I look at all of that and I just think, you know, life is more important to me. And then I'm looking at why am I working? And honestly, one of my main goals when I started my company was so I could hire people to work with me and to give jobs to people. And that was one of the reasons I stuck with the vacant so long was there were these people that I had working with me that I loved being able to do do that for them. But at what cost? Mm -hmm. To me and my family. Now I realize, now I feel like my calling is to train those people that are just like me. Mm-hmm. Those people out there who they would love to have a business. Um, they have children who maybe, I mean, I started my company because I knew my boys were going to be graduated out of high school in four or five years. So I, you know, I wanted something to do on the other side. I had no idea it would take off like it did. So, you know, I, I, I and that's who I really, really want to talk to, you know, those solopreneurs who know they want to have a business and they have this this feeling for it but they don't know where to start and i mean there's some wonderful training programs out there that are all inclusive they'll cover everything and deep dive into the marketing and i mean they will give you all kinds of incredible information but if they're like me that would have overwhelmed it did overwhelm me right it was like it was like it's like i'm standing with this little hose of time to get information in and here comes this huge wave and I'm standing there with my little hose <laughs> and it was like I got stuff but all the stuff I missed out on and I didn't have time to go chase after it so that was one of the reasons when I looked at everything I thought if someone had just talked to me about how to do a consultation that was positive and empowering that was confident and competent if I could have had that when I started my business, it would have been different. It just would have been different. So I realize now my goal is still the same. I want to offer jobs to people, but I want them to be the jobs that they themselves are creating for themselves. It just, it's like my passion. It's my passion. Are we in love with Bobby? Totally, totally a thousand percent. We are crushing on you so hard right now. So this has been an amazing interview and we like to end every interview, Bobby, by asking why for stagers does visibility matter? Oh my gosh. Home staging, even the word itself, staging is all about visibility. We are visual marketing specialists. That is what we do. So, you know, in the real estate world, the photos drive the message. So, think about it. I mean, if there are good photos, I talk all the time about there's, there's two parts of real estate. There's the price and then there's presentation. So the price is the price based on market and the realtors know how. And I always say, that's why you need yourself a good realtor. Mm-hmm. Presentation is made up of two things, home staging and good photographs. Mm-hmm. So if you have a great realtor in place who understands this, puts this together, the photos need to be, so, uh, well, the photos need to be compelling enough so that when people see it, it compels them to pick up the phone to see, to see that house. In a seller's market, you know, again, the pushback is, oh, they're selling anyway. 
But you know what? I like to create what I call a spike house. And a spike house is, you know, let's say the houses in the neighborhood have sold for $130, $135 a square foot, and they're selling at that pretty solid. I like to go in, stage a property, and have it be the one that sells at $145 a square foot and appraises. Mm-hmm. So um, it's like, what is it? The photos need to be compelling enough, even in a seller's market, that not just one or two people call to see the house, but you get you know, two dozen people wanting to call and they are offering above ask, above ask, above ask, and to be that spike house. So um, the more compelling the photographs, the more we uh, you know, showcase the fixed assets of the house, the stronger that listing is. And to our realtor partners, hey guys, I'm telling you what, your listing photos say more about you as a realtor than, than it does about the house. So if you want to be that branded realtor where your photos drive your business, it's all visibility. It's understanding that magic combination. <sighs> Mike, is there a mic I can draw? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Here's my mic. <laughs> that was incredible. Thank you so much, Bobby, for coming on the podcast with us today. It was a pleasure. I love you too. And I love watching you. You just give me great smiles all the time. Thank you. Sometimes when it comes to visibility, it's hard to know where to start, how to start, what's truly important. Maybe you've already started, but instead of getting anywhere, you just feel lost and confused. Maybe you see others making great strides, but it seems like you're getting left behind. Or maybe your once successful visibility efforts just aren't getting you the attention they used to thanks to new technology and an ever-changing industry. It's time for a change. It's time to take control, to stand up for yourself and your business. It's time to become a visibility warrior. Join us today at visibilitywarrior.com.